City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Welcome in. You are listening to the Buzzer Beaters podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast Network is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's episode, we will be diving into the Charlotte Hornets waving Kai Jones, and we will both give a couple bold predictions we have for the upcoming season that's right around the corner. Uh, so without further ado, today I am your host, Atticus Ferguson. And I'm your co-host, Eric Barnes. Eric, there's a lot going on in the Hornets universe today. Uh, you know, how, how are you doing? How are things in your life? What, what's been going on since we last talked? I'm good, man. Uh, excited for the season. Um, but yeah, what's going on in my life? I just started a new gig. So, you know, I'm hitting the ground running with that. Um, trying to figure it out brick by brick, figure it out day by day. Um Contrary to popular belief, you know, I don't make my uh, living off this podcast. You know, I know some out there may may have thought that, but no, that is not the case. So, you know, I, I'm looking for other avenues of income, no doubt, but um, doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? He's a working man, ladies and gentlemen. He is a working man. No, I've been good. It, it seems like forever since we last talked. Um, you know, I was mm-hmm. at the, uh, the Drake concert here in Charlotte. Drake said he has something big planned for Charlotte. I'm not sure what that's going to be. He mentioned that his uh, his son's favorite player is Lamelo Ball. I know him and Jay Cole are tight. He also alluded to Jay Cole when he was in that little spiel. Jay Cole is a new part owner of the Charlotte Hornets, so I'm hoping there was a lot of Hornets ties there. And with my mind always being you know revolving around the Charlotte Hornets, I'm hoping it Drake has something. Uh, up his sleeve for this upcoming season that'd be pretty cool what, what if it's he's going to be at all the greensboro swarm games and watches uh unofficial stepson uh mari bailey <laughs> well the uh the swarm reports uh on the podcast network this year will get a lot more interesting if that's the case and i think i think the swarm no doubt about that on out games it'll be like a mini uh prime effect there in greensboro mm-hmm. cool man well without further ado Let's go ahead and get into our first topic. And before we do that, again, we are recording here Wednesday, October 11th. It's right after 7 p.m. Uh, we just got the news on Twitter that another arrest warrant has been released for Miles Bridges. Uh, you know, Eric and I looked over the article. There's a lot of confusion between both of us, and really, it seems like everyone on Twitter. Uh, we're not really sure what the parameters are in that situation, what the implications are on that. There's just a lot of unknown. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure Eric and I, as well as you, the listener, will know a lot more about that situation. So uh, apologies for this coming out on Saturday and you know us not really being sure of what's going on there. Uh, but at the time of us recording this, there's just not a lot of details. So we don't really want to speculate or, or discuss the implications of that because we really don't have the requisite information available. So uh, apologies if we're not going to dive much into that, but uh, we're going to need to know more about that before we can really comment. So um, from that not so fun topic into a, an interesting, but maybe equally not so fun topic, <laughs> the, the Hornets have released uh, goat life, infinity money, Kai Jones uh, this afternoon, Eric, what were kind of your initial thoughts when you saw that? What's kind of your takeaways there? 
you know, you know what, where's, where's your head on on this move? You know, it's funny because when we drafted him, it was one of those things, you know, anytime you draft somebody, you know, you're excited to, to have them come in and, and you're hopeful for what they can become. And, and of course, Kai Jones fell under that category. Um, and as the years go on, you just continue. You're, you're hoping to see a little something, maybe growth in basketball IQ or, or whatever it may be. And you just never really saw a ton of progress. And then in the past couple of months, I mean, it, it was a social media charade. I mean, there was the video with him sweating and kind of talking real fast. And then it was just tweets, you know, going crazy. I know his former teammate, Greg Brown, when he was at Texas, kind of said, Hey, this is the real Kai. Like he's kind of just showing you guys, you know, who he actually is now. Um, but I mean, in the past few weeks, it kind of felt like this was inevitable. Like with the new owners, they didn't necessarily want to kind of bring, I guess, maybe that immaturity into the locker room. And especially a guy that's kind of, you know, on the outskirts of the roster. Like, yes, he has potential. Yes, he could turn into a really good player, but you don't really know if that's ever going to come to fruition. I mean, we're in year we would have been in year four right and we really haven't seen much of a step so it's funny to go from that initial draft night being excited for what he can become and when he got released it was kind of just like so what you know we lost kai jones and, and the truth is i hope he gets another opportunity but i don't know if he will because i mean even some of the stuff that he's posting it looks like he's got markers and, and crayons on the wall. And for, you know, a grown man to have that kind of stuff, like, I don't know. I just think that that Kai may have some maturing to do. But long story short, I mean, we march on, you know. It, the Kai Jones experience was fun while it lasted, but um, part of me is happy that it's over. Yeah, well, uh, I guess on the bright side, if you need a new interior designer, you know, depending <laughs> on your preference, you, yeah, if you've seen – the background in his videos, you know who to hit up or maybe who to avoid there with Kai Jones. Uh, he's got some interesting, uh, you know, style and flavor when it comes to that. Comes to other I'm sure his designs would be big hits with elementary schoolers. They probably love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, you mentioned kind of uh, the lack of development in his game. And, and obviously that's not what – got him released today it's it's the recent off the court stuff but obviously it's coupled with the lack of development of this game and if he had been performing at a higher level obviously there'd probably be more of a tolerance um for this type of behavior the hornets would, i would imagine would be trying to provide various resources or find different well, avenues to get him back on the right track well with y'all at the same time if if he was performing better and maybe a bit more mature. He's probably not lashing out on social media anyway, right. which lashing out may not be the perfect term, but I mean, hopefully you get the point there. I mean, it's just, it just obviously, it, it kind of just crashed and burned a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe that I, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much in general, but I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe some of this is like projecting or something. I mean, it, look, in, in general, I, I want to be very careful because I don't know what his situation right. is and what's going right. on. I think it's fair to say, you know, Kai Jones has been with this organization. This is about to be year four. He has never acted this way. He's always been, and if you've listened to us in the past, we've hit on this, especially myself. He's always been a centric personality, a little bit of a different cat. Um, I thought it was in, in an endearing way, and up until recently, it, it was, in my opinion. Um, but you know, clearly he, this is, he hasn't acted this way in the past. And 
I hope whatever he's going through, whatever's going on, whether it's, you know, I know a lot of people are speculating like mental health or, you know, whatever it is, I hope he gets help and gets some people in his corner that guide him on the right path because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to have much sympathy or empathy for him. They're going to say he's rich and he's, you know, acting X, Y, and Z and he's blowing an opportunity, but you, you never want to see a young, talented person who I, I don't believe is a bad person, just Agreed. throwing an opportunity and potentially ruining a, a great opportunity. You know, you, you never want to see something like that. So it, it is a sad situation. I know a lot of people will probably rush a judgment and, and, you know, say, well, he's doing this to himself. And, and while that's certainly true, I'm sure there's much more to it. And it's, it's just, it's just an unfortunate situation. Anyway, you cut it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it, it's tough because he, he really is so talented, you know, I mean, unbelievably athletic. I mean, to be honest, I mean, top tier athlete in the league. I mean, we're talking 99 percentile. I mean, for him to be 6'11", to be that agile, that quick twitch, and jump like he can, hey, we'll always have the the viral dunk on Victor Wimbanyama. You know, regardless of what else happens, Kai Jones will always have that from the summer league with the Hornets. Uh, you know, just banging over the alien as LeBron and many others have started calling him. So he'll always have that. Um, but hopefully, he catches on somewhere else. I mean. I, I think I even said it a few episodes ago, like he just has a type of talent you don't want to give up on. If he finds a way to 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 kind of fit into a role and play that role, like he can definitely contribute to an NBA team. It's just will he accept the role because he thinks he's the GOAT and he thinks he's, he should be shooting threes. And while he has some sort of potential to do that, it's just – that's not the strength of your game. You should be pick and roll, playing defense, and, and trying to make the winning play at this point in his career. And unfortunately, you know, he's the GOAT in quotations, and uh, he GOATs don't like to play that way, right? Yeah. No, just to touch on something you said in that initial little spiel there. We can always – we'll always remember that Kai Jones gave Victor Wimbanyama his welcome to the league moment. <laughs> No matter what happens from here on out with Kai or the Hornets, no one can take that away for him or us as viewers and, and fans, right? So we, we've always got that. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, the talent is there. He's never really put it together. You've had flashes. You've seen some minor improvements at times. But really, on top of the talent and the potential and obviously the draft capital uh, where the Hornets – you know, traded up specifically to get Kai Jones, as Mitch Kupchak said back in the day when, in 2021 when they drafted him. Another reason you were keeping him around uh, outside of obviously, again, he was always going to be a project. Another reason you kept him around was seemingly he had a great attitude. Like, for instance, you know, Eric, I go to a lot mm -hmm. of games. Um, I live here in Charlotte. Our tickets that we have for season tickets are like lower second level uh, kind of close to the Hornets bench. So, you know, I'm not close down there. I can't really hear things they're saying, but I pick up on a few things here and there uh, being close to the bench. And one thing I've always noticed, specifically last year, something I really picked up on, Kai Jones was almost always the first player off the bench after a timeout to run onto the court, slap by with his teammates, give a word of encouragement. You know, he always seemed very positive and upbeat, but even little things that I noticed going to games like that, like he was always very humble, um, even if he wasn't playing a lot or at all for stretches. 
very involved, very focused, very high energy, having a positive impact in whichever little way he could. So a big thing with him, too, was he could have a long career in the league, even if he never developed his game and became a 12th man on the bench. Being a high-energy locker room guy, like I remember, for instance, this is a, a reference maybe only a few people will get, but since we're in North Carolina, you, some UNC basketball fans will probably remember James Michael McAdoo. There was an article uh, on the Warriors uh, during the Warriors dynasty where Kevin Durant was talking about the impact of James Michael McAdoo. McAdoo wasn't playing at all, but he just talked about the energy and the presence he had and how everybody loved him. Kai Jones could have had a similar long-term career in that role at least but now he's you know all this erratic behavior on social media throwing your teammates under the bus that's gone so yeah i think it's safe to say he he blew that one up because yeah. whereas before it was viewed at or you know personally that you know great locker room guy or you know team guy you know even had the teal hair now with the past two months all that goodwill he built i mean he blew all that up so I mean, I'm sure he'll get a chance somewhere, and I hope he does get a chance somewhere, and I hope he plays well. Uh, the funny thing, if that does happen, we'll be seeing Hornets fans and, and people that follow the Hornets kind of lose their mind, like, oh, no, we shouldn't have cut him. Uh, but I, I think that was the right thing to do for the organization at this point. You don't need a distraction. You know, you want everybody totally focused, you know, on the task at hand, and that's winning games, and that's making the playoffs. Um, so – you know, I, I think it was the right time to cut bait. You cut your losses and, and you move on and, and march forward. Yeah, absolutely. And one little detail I want to point out, not to nitpick, uh, Kai Jones was waived and not cut. And I was, you know, trying to make sure I had all the information right on this. There's several little nuanced details that make it different uh, for someone to be waived versus cut. The The main difference is, you know, he'll have, I believe it was 48 hours to be on the waiver wire to be claimed by another team. And if, as long as I understand correctly, if another team claims him, uh, then the Hornets would be off the hook for the rest of the remainder of his contract. That team would pick up uh, the, the money on his contract there. So basically it's, it's smart to put him through waivers versus just cutting him because while I don't think there's any chance that anyone picks him up on waivers, you have nothing to lose – from what I understand, by putting him on waivers and seeing if another team will claim him that way and, and rid you of any sort of financial uh, ties you have with that player. So, yeah, over the next couple of days, we'll keep an eye on that. Personally, I would be shocked if anyone picks him up. I think that he's more likely to be picked up as a restricted free agent, whether that's this year or sometime in the future. I'm not sure. I do expect another team to uh, give Kai a shot at some point. What I kind of envisioned that looking like is, you know, again, I'm not going to speculate on what's going on with them, but I could see a team saying, hey, we need you to utilize X, Y, Z resources in order to address the behavior that you've been displaying. And then if you're able to do, you know, these, this multi-step process that we need in order for you to join the team, then we can discuss next steps from there. And here's what that plan looks like. I feel like at least a smart organization, they're going to take some sort of approach like that. Again, right. I don't know if it's like therapy or, you know, again, I'm not going to delve into what may be going on, but something, you know, along the lines of therapy or something similar before right. you can uh, jo join the team. I feel like a smart organization will take some, some precautions like that 
if they are going to move forward with Kai and, you know, before they sign him, obviously I'm sure they would want to make sure he's in agreement, but ultimately Kai is going to have to be willing to do that. If that is the case uh, well, himself out. And and last thing on this, but before we kind of move on here, but, and this just popped in my head. I wasn't even thinking about this before, but I think a good place for him to go would be Milwaukee because the high end comp for Kai, which was, you know, never really fair, but again, high end comp, was Giannis. So he goes to Milwaukee. He can kind of learn from the guy, hopefully a little bit. And no, I don't think he's ever going to be Giannis, but that may be a great place to go because he can see a guy that, you know, has similar skills that he has, who is obviously 20 times better than he is at this point. And maybe that's somebody that he can look up to and kind of be a mentor for him. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. You know, wish all the best to Kai and, and the rest of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, just to kind of wrap a bow on that. Yeah, Milwaukee, that makes sense. You, you always think about heat culture, maybe Miami. One thing about that is I don't think Miami just magically takes players right. and gets them to adapt to heat culture. Like, I think they have a profile of a type of player they right. look like who could fit heat culture, and then they boost them to that next level. Right. I don't think Kai Jones, as currently presented yeah. on October 11th, is going to Miami for heat culture, but – if he can kind of get his wits in about him, you know, maybe the Heat could take a chance on him. I'm sure that would certainly get him on the straight and narrow. But, yeah, Milwaukee or Miami or, like, a winning culture like Golden State, maybe it would be interesting if they want to buy extremely low on a, you know, former first-rounder who was taken right out of the lottery. Um, maybe that would make sense. But, yeah, I mean, that's really all I've got to say on Kai, Eric. I think you kind of said your piece on him as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, wishing for the best for Kai. Uh, Kind of a sad ending here in Charlotte, but uh, yeah, the 2021 draft class and the first round at least continues to be cursed, and that just you know helps us give more appreciation to our guy JT Thor. <laughs> so, Eric, before we jump into this next segment here in our bold predictions, I want to talk about AllHornets.com. This podcast is brought to you by AllHornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. AllHornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis, AllHornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. You can head over to AllHornets.com. Earlier this week, we, I participated in my first roundtable. Uh, so we, myself and some other teammates here at All Hornets, gave our thoughts on the uh, our predictions for uh, the breakout player of the year for the Hornets. If you've listened to this podcast a lot, or if you've followed me on Twitter, I'm sure you can imagine who I picked. Um, hence, I just referenced him here a couple minutes ago. Uh, but head over there, see what I had to say. Uh, there, I believe there are three other players that were discussed there. So definitely worth checking that out. And you know, all of the latest breaking news uh, will be covered there on allhornets.com. With that said, Eric, we – Originally, we're just planning to do this podcast on bold predictions. Uh, then the Kai Jones thing happened. Uh, the Miles Bridges thing happened. So a, a lot of things have been going on. But we're going to get to kind of the meat and potatoes and the original plan that we had to discuss. So I'm going to open it up to you first. If you want to hit me with your first bold prediction, I'm going to let you run with it from here. Okay. Um, so the first bold prediction that I have, and this is one that – at first, I've like people. I'm like, well, I mean, that's kind of you know, I don't know how bold that really is. Uh, 
But for me, I think Mark Williams, uh, you know, I know everyone loves Mark Williams right now. I love Mark Williams. I loved him before we even drafted him. I thought he was a perfect fit. And it seems like that's come to fruition right now, which is awesome to witness. Uh, but my bold prediction for the year is he's going to average a double-double. So that part really isn't that bold, but it's going to be a double-double and two blocks a game. So 10 and 10, well, hopefully it's more than 10 and 10. Hopefully it's 20 and 20. But I, it's going to at least be 10 and 10 and two. So that's my prediction for Mark Williams. He looked great in that uh, preseason game last night, held his own against Bam in the Heat. Um, I'm excited to see him, man. He's exactly what I look for in a center, protect the rim, play smart, can even hit free throws. He said in press conferences this year at media day that, you know, take the over on him on threes. If he can consistently knock down threes, man, I mean, this guy's potential is through the roof, and, and he plays the game the right way. I'm really excited to see some big mark this year. Yeah, that's I, I like a lot of that. Uh, Steve Clifford did say that you know three-point shooting is not going to be a big part of his game at all. I think we're going to see right. him take some threes, but it'll be an occasional thing where it's like, ooh, right. we got a Mark Williams three-point attempt. Right. That'll be exciting to see if he can knock a few down this year. I think it'll be more something to track as the years go on. Um, but hopefully we'll see some encouraging signs from beyond the arc this year. And, you know, we'll continue to work on that and develop. That yeah, I don't think it's something that, you know, he's going to be shooting five threes a game. I think it yeah. may be he takes one or two in this game. If he's wide open and hits the first one, he may go a few games without. It's just if he's wide open and it's in rhythm, I think he'll pull. But, no, do I think it's something where, you know, they're going to be drawing up plays for Mark Williams three-pointers? No, I definitely don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's only going to be in situations where he's wide open and the defender's, like, daring him to do it. And he'll show, okay, well, I can't do this now. Or, like, a, you know, obviously the one-off situations where the clock's expiring, whether that's game clock or shot clock. But, yeah, I, I think it'll be fun to see. There will be a defender a time or two that's going to dare him to do it, and it'll be fun to oh. see him pull and see if he can make it. Um, as far as the blocks go, I believe he had two blocks last night in the preseason opener for the Heat. So, mm-hmm. I mean – I know those don't he count. He was all over the place last night. Yeah, I know those don't count to his regular season statistics, which is obviously what we're talking about. But right. if he did, you, I mean, you'd be off. Hey, off. that would be a great start. He didn't even play his full minutes that he's going to play in the season. Look, man, I'm not saying I have the next lottery numbers or anything, but a good start there. Now, now people are going to say that you only made that prediction because he had two blocks last night. <laughs> what do you have to say to that? <laughs> I, I say those people are spot on. I, I came up with that prediction just because I watched that game last night, and I was like, you know what? This guy, I know I've been following him for years and love what he brings to the table, but everything I think about this guy, I'm basing it on a preseason game in Miami. That, that's what I'm basing it on. Yeah, Eric's actually never watched the Charlotte Hornets. He just took Mark Williams' stat line last night and said this is, really, <laughs> this is what he's going to do all year. <laughs> yeah, I'm a box score merchant. I don't watch the games. Just go check out the box score, and that's how I form my opinions. Um, speaking of box score, though, uh, I did want to add this in because I think the kind of bold part of that is the two blocks a game because that's something that's not easy to do. Like last night, he did have two blocks, right, uh, which is awesome. But that's the thing about blocks. You have two or three this game. Well, you may only have one the next game. You may have none. So maintaining that throughout the year is something that can be tough. And for reference, last year he played 19 minutes a game and he averaged one block a game. If you double that to 38 minutes a game, that's two blocks a game. I don't think he's playing 38 minutes a game. I think he's going to be more so 
around 30 or so, which is going to be more minutes than he really played last year. But I think right at 30, around 30, that's where he'll be. So it will be a challenge for him to get those two blocks, but he has a skill set to do it. And once they kind of take the uh, leash off this year and really let him be that starting center and they're not just giving him and Nick both a look and getting them reps, I think he's got a chance to to definitely do that and really emerge as one of the, the better centers in the Eastern Conference. No, I mean, you touched on it earlier. He looked really good last night. He was all over the place, flying around. He had that buzzer-beating dunk at the end of the first half. He was aggressive. I'm excited to see him develop. I mean, last year, I know a lot of people weren't paying attention to the Hornets a lot. They were doing a lot of losing. But Mark really showed some flashes and signs at the at the end of last season. And, you know, it only looks like he's gotten better and more confident. I mean, last, mm-hmm. last night I remember watching. And, you know, this is the first time Mark's played with the actual Hornets starting five last year, by the time he was healthy, you know, there was obviously a litany of injuries. He never got to play with like a real healthy starting five, but um, yeah, I, I saw him out there and I saw him playing. I was like, you know, Mark Williams, it's, it's just so refreshing. It's like, he's an actual starting center on the Hornets starting five. And, you know, obviously for years and years and years, Hornets fans have been asking to get a real center, and we had the whole litany of, you know, Mason Plumley, Bismack Biombo, right, go through and go down the list. Um, so to, to finally have Mark Williams here and look to be playing at a high level like he is, just watching him last night, it was like I, I didn't pinch myself to make sure I wasn't dreaming because the Hornets actually. We used to pray for times like this, Atticus. We used quote, to pray for it. To quote Meek Mill, who was quoted by Kai Jones like 45 minutes ago. I used to pray for times like this. Whereas Kai Jones would say, I used to pray for times like this. Hashtag goat life. That's right. All right. So I, I gave you my first one. What, what do you got? What is uh one of your bold predictions? What, what are you leading with here? Yeah. So just like you, I've got a couple. But the one I'm going to lead off with, and this may not seem bold at first, so I'll explain why it, it may seem bold, and I'll get into why I think it's going to happen. But I think that head coach Steve Clifford is going to do enough to retain his job as the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets past this season. So for some, that may seem like a bold prediction. For others, it may not. For the, for the ones who don't think that's a bold prediction, let me explain why, in my eyes, that is bold. One, a lot of people um, use Steve Clifford as someone who may be on the hot seat after a 27-win season last year, regardless of the injuries. People look at the win-loss record. Coming off a tough year uh, from a win-loss perspective, that certainly doesn't help. But also, a lot of times when new owners come in, uh, they want to put their stamp on the organization in a big way. So oftentimes you'll see, you know, a head coach be replaced, um, a general manager be replaced, so on and so forth. You'll see a lot of impactful changes to the organization. Um, obviously, head coach is usually where a new owner is going to want to start. You'll see that not only in the NBA, but across other leagues such as you know the NFL, NHL, so on and so forth. So, you know, obviously, a lot of people are probably looking at this as Steve Clifford's last ride with the Hornets, thinking that the new ownership is going to want to replace them, but. You know, Eric, I know a while back when we were talking about the over-under win total in Vegas, I think I said somewhere around 40 to 45 wins was my prediction for the Hornets. That's still how I'm looking at it. Uh, unless this Miles Bridges situation has gotten worse from a suspension standpoint, um, then 
I mean, I chuckled not because it's a, a funny situation, but I just laughed because this, you know, a lot of this podcast could go in flames, uh, depending on what the, the news is by the time it even releases. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I chuckle just because of that aspect of it, but uh, assuming that's not significantly worse um, than it is, the 10 game suspension isn't drawn out to a full season or 30 games or something, you know, astronomical like that. I still look at this as a 40 to 45 win Hornets team. And I think that's going to put Cliff in a position where he can retain his job. I, I, I see them getting in. Well, actually I'm going to, I'm going to save that for another podcast. I was going to give my predictions for kind of how they, they, they fare in the playoff race, but I think they're a 40, 45 win team. I think Clifford does enough to retain his job. What, what are your thoughts? Well, And I think ultimately for him to retain his job, they're going to have to make the playoffs. I think that's ultimately what it's going to take. Because like you mentioned, new owners, a lot of times they want to come in for better or worse. They want to put their own stamp on the team. And the easiest thing to do that with is pick your own head coach. So for for Cliff to, to keep the job with these new owners, for him to survive that, they're going to have to make the playoffs. You know, a lot of people like Cliff. I like Cliff. You know, he, he's kind of a no-nonsense guy. He shoots you straight, and I love that about him. Uh, but at the end of the day, these new owners, I mean, I would imagine, you know, they, they don't want to put a losing product out there. And we do have enough talent at this point for the first time, and it seems we'll just say a very long time, where the playoffs is, you know, a realistic thing. Um, now, you know, we mentioned the Miles situation throughout this podcast, and we don't know what that's going to look like, but – for the sake of this conversation, we're assuming that, you know, he's going to serve his 10-game suspension and, and he'll be back. Now, obviously, that could easily change. There's no doubt about that. But this conversation is kind of contingent on Miles being back after 10 games. Yeah, and another point I kind of failed to mention there a second ago, I was I was a little distracted. I, if, you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you won't know. I'm going to throw Eric under the bus for a second. But he was kind of running his, around his room there like a, like a dog let out of a cage. So I was, yeah. I was a little distracted keeping my, trying to keep my train of thought. But, you know, really. Yeah, the- man. My, uh, I got the notification that my battery was getting ready to die, which is crazy because, I mean, I had just unplugged it like an hour ago. Uh, yeah, computer's a little old. Uh, the the battery ain't quite what it once was. It's it's like a Toby Keith song, you know. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be a bad teammate and uh, blame my rambling and kind of forgetting my main point there on Eric. Um, I'm gonna pull a Kai Jones and and throw my teammate <laughs> the bus there. Um, <laughs> but Atticus yeah. Ferguson, goat life, goat life. And unfortunately, I do not have infinity money, but uh, <laughs> we'll work on that part. But um, you know, obviously. And I've said this in the past, and this has been discussed a lot, but, you know, the Hornets are returning a bulk of the talent they had from two years ago with that 42-win season when James Borrego was the coach. Obviously, Miles Bridges wasn't there last year. The injury bug hit. Uh, But now they've got Miles back after 10 games, and they've got a lot of the same roster that won 42 games two years ago. Now you add on, obviously – 43 games, I believe. 43 games, excuse me. Hey, don't sell us short. Hey, yeah. 43. <laughs> I know it was a play-in, but it was right. 43 games. I'll, I'll, I'll take every single win over that Vegas uh, over-under total I can get. Yeah. Um, I, I may bet my house on it. I, I mean, legitimately. Yeah. Well, Hopefully we, everyone doesn't get hurt like last year, but, I mean, be advised. Right, right. And and I won't get rolling on that because I'll go for another 30 minutes on that like we've done before. But 
Well, yeah. and I've also seen me and you have been talking about that for a while, but I'm starting to see kind of, you know, a lot of, you know, bigger, whether it's handicappers or, or kind of people that write those type of articles for, for gambling. Um, a lot of people are catching on because I mean, just what me and you have talked about. I mean, when they had the same roster minus Mark Williams, minus Brandon Miller, minus some more season LaMelo, they won 43 games and what they lost Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo, like the they should win at least 31 games, even if they underachieve underachieving is winning 35 games this year, in my opinion. So I definitely, you know, not to bring this back to the over under conversation, but, yeah, definitely the over. Yeah, I mean, uh, all those handicappers you mentioned, I'm sure they're big listeners to the All Hornets Podcast Network and the, the Buzzer Beaters Podcast. And they probably heard that episode and went and put all their money on it. So mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. they're box score merchants like me. It's just podcast merchants. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have any doubt that that's exactly what happened there. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on it. It's, you know, like I was saying, too, it's a lot of the same team. You had Brandon Miller. You've got Mark Williams. You've got uh, Nick Richards, who's far improved from what he was on that team to now. Um, so I, I see there's, you know, I know the East has gotten, you know, you could argue it's gotten a little bit better, a little bit worse. I, I don't see there, I, I don't see any reason this team can't win between 40 to 45 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, my expectation, I guess I'll just go ahead and say it now because it helps me tie this point in. I wanted to, I wanted to leave this prediction for another like preseason podcast. And I guess in a way you can kind of get a two for one in my first bull prediction here, but I do think that they can finish somewhere around a seven, eight seed. So they have the hand up in that playing tournament and make the playoffs. And at that, I mean, that's gotta be enough to retain coach. Well, and I think that's, that leads me into my next bold prediction actually. Um, And this one is bold. There's no doubt about it. Like this one, a hundred percent, the Charlotte Hornets will finish top six in the East this year. So we don't have to worry about the play-in. We're just going straight to the playoffs. All mm. those seven, eight, nine, ten. You guys have fun with your extra couple of games. Enjoy it. You know it'll be nice entertainment for your fans. Not the Charlotte Hornets. Straight to the playoffs, baby. Straight to the playoffs. So you got a two for one for me, and I, and I said they'll finish seventh or eighth, and they'll get in the playoffs to the play-in. Eric's saying we're, you know, we are too good for the play-in. You can you can hold your play in. The Charlotte Hornets will be a top six seed watching the play in from the couch. And that's not because they got eliminated in the first play in game and they're sitting on the couch and watching. That's because they're too good for it. That's what you're telling me, Eric. That's Ball. right. That yeah. is 100% correct. Straight to the playoffs. No play in. Um, and let me, let me give a little background on why I kind of think this because otherwise it's just like, you know, oh, yeah, sure, Eric, they're going to make the playoffs as a six seed. Um, compared to a couple years ago, like we were just talking about when they won 43 games and we've already kind of mentioned, we think the roster is better now. Our younger guys are older. Um, that year was the best year in the East that I can remember. That was when the Bulls first got their new crew together and, and they were playing as well as they played, um, you know, in recent memory. Um, that was when Katie, James Harden, uh, Kyrie were all in the East. Um, that was when, the 76ers were still – I feel like the 76ers, I mean, they got James Harden. They're still definitely a, a really good team. But that was before, like, the Ben Simmons fall off. Um, of course, the Celtics were the Celtics at the time. Um, well, Kyrie, KD, James Harden no longer play for the Nets. Although the Nets, they should be a, a solid team this year. Um, 
the Bulls don't quite look the same or they didn't last year. Alonzo's still not playing. I do think he was a big piece for that team. So when I just combine the fact that I think the Hornets roster is better now than that team was and the East overall, I mean, although the East, I wouldn't say the East is bad by any means, but because I do think the NBA has more talent in it than ever, I just don't think it's quite what it was uh, two years ago when the Hornets, even though they won 43 games, they had to go play in the play-in, whereas pretty much – I forget. I don't have the exact stat in front of me for that, but I think it was like 43 and 39, like the last five years would have got them in the top six. But just so happened, not that year. So, Eric, I, I've been trying to pull up on my phone. I just got the standings in the Eastern Conference from last year. I, I want to put you on the spot a little bit here. So, the Hornets finished 14th. The only team they finished ahead of was the Detroit Pistons. So I'm going to read you some teams that were ahead of the Hornets. I want you to tell me who you think the Hornets are going to finish ahead of to get that sixth seed. So starting at seven, you have the Hawks, eight, Heat, nine, Raptors, Bulls at 10, Pacers 11, so on and so forth. These other teams, Wizards, Magic, I assume you think they're obviously going to leapfrog them as well. Uh, at six, you have the Nets, five, Knicks, Four Cavs, three Sixers, two Celtics, one Bucks. Um, who, who so I'll just start from one, right? So locked in, you have Milwaukee, you got the Bucks, you got the 76ers, you got the Celtics. You could probably throw the Cavs as, you know, top four or five. So that's kind of locked in. And at that point, I think it opens up. Like the Nets could be there, um, the Pacers could be in that conversation. Um, although, I mean, I don't, I don't love what the Pacers have. I mean, they are an interesting team. They do have Hal Burton. They've got some nice young pieces. Um, you've got, I mean, you have the Hawks, but to me, like, even if I'm wrong here, even if the Hornets don't finish in the top six and it is the play in or, or wherever it may be, as I'm looking at these teams, to me, all these teams are kind of in that same tier. Like they're good. They're not elite. They really haven't done anything. Uh, to prove and have have had a ton of postseason success. So when I'm looking at the Nets or the Pacers or any of those teams, of course they can beat us. Of course they could finish higher. But to me, the Hornets are in that same tier, and that's why that is my final bold take for this go-round. They're finishing in the top six. The Charlotte Hornets are going to the NBA playoffs. No play-in, straight to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I'm looking at the standings last year. Bucks, Celtics, Sixers. Cavs, that's top four. Let's say you lock that in in some order this year in the top six. Then you've got the Knicks. Maybe you want to put mm-hmm. them in the top five again. That sixth spot gets interesting. You've got the Nets. Or let's say actually you don't put the Knicks there. Let's say you put the Miami Heat there. They finished eighth last Ooh, year. That's a big one I forgot. Although, I mean, Heat culture, Jimmy, Bam, they'll still be good. They'll still be hanging around. But last year, yeah. I mean, even all the postseason success they had, they were an eighth seed. They were in the play-in. They almost didn't make the playoffs themselves. Yeah, let's and just real quick before we move on, for this exercise, let's say the Heat are in that top five. Let's take the Knicks out. Then that's where it gets interesting. Are you going to have – or maybe the Cavs come out, right? But who's going to be that? That sixth seed could be up for grab between the Nets, Knicks, Hawks, Hornets, or some other combination. There's a lot yeah. of – unfortunately, there will probably be an injury or something that could derail – uh, a team season so it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out and if that if it's like a packed in top four with two spots up for grabs or if it's just kind of the top five are solidified and that six seeds up for grabs 
that'll be interesting to keep up with there. But yeah. there's a few teams I could see rising, and um, I don't think it's a. I think it's a bold take, which is why we're doing this segment. But I don't think it's totally yeah. crazy to think that the Hornets yeah. could be one of those teams. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not again. I'm not saying that. Oh, yeah, the Hornets are way better than these teams, right? It's just I'm not. When I think of the Hornets and what they have, and I'm like, oh, the Hornets are going to play the Knicks tonight. I'm not like, oh, like, well, this is a mismatch. Like, the Knicks are, you know, obviously going to win because they're way better. And the same thing with the Miami Heat. You know, they've had a ton of postseason success. But, I mean, they're only getting older. They really haven't added anyone. I mean, they, I like their rookie, but he's a rookie. So, you know, just none of those teams really scare me, you know, as far as regular season goes. I mean, of course, they could finish higher. But, We'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I end up right, and that'll be great for me. Obviously, having this take, but not just me. All it'll be great for all Hornets fans to finally see this team back into the playoffs since 2016, I believe. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it is my turn here. So, yeah. Close this <laughs> out. Close it out strong, baby. My final bold prediction, and I almost feel like I'm going to get struck by lightning for predicting this. So hopefully, you know, if this podcast gets interrupted, just know that that's probably what happens. But my final bold prediction is that Gordon Hayward will have his healthiest season as a Charlotte Hornet. Is there some wood near you? Can you knock on wood right now, please? (laughs) I was actually afraid that the dog was going to start going crazy and barking. I didn't think about that. Um, Healthiest season as a Hornet, Gordon Hayward. I'm going to predict he plays around 60 games this year. He'll do some pseudo load management. He'll have a few little tweaks, bumps and bruises that'll keep him out. Uh, I know the NBA is obviously cracking down on load management, but you know I'm sure there'll be ways to disguise it and give him a night off as a veteran. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Gordon in a contract year. I just haven't. Part of this is just me having an odd feeling and a hunch, and there's not much analysis and breakdown I can give other than just a weird hunch feeling I have that he's going to have a healthy season. On top of that, I mean, Clifford has been raving about the vet, Mm -hmm. particularly Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, looking really good at the start of camp. Um, You know, he's really emphasized and wanted to – and gone out of his way to point out how good that they've looked. They're also, you know, I, this is this is kind of a one-off thing, but with Terry and Lamelo wearing ankle braces, which I love, by the way, I I, I feel like this staff has like a new emphasis uh, and a new approach, and are trying new methods to keeping players healthy. I'm hoping that extends past just the ankle braces for Lamelo and Terry. I'm hoping that's just like a holistic approach they're taking, and if so, that right. could be helpful. That's just totally me. Um, that that's just kind of. Me, I can't think of the word I'm trying to look for here. But Wishful thinking, maybe? That's not it. That might not be perfect. That's not what I'm looking for, but it certainly may be wishful thinking, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, that that's that's me looking at that situation and hoping one thing um, impacts another there. But, yeah, I, I've just got a weird feeling in a contract year. I'm also thinking – Makes sense. He's got more well, and food. also, he's had to hear – the last few years, oh, he's not worth the contract, or he's he's always hurt, or you know, a big thing that no one really talks about is the Charlotte Hornets need a vet. The Charlotte Hornets need a vet on this team, and the Charlotte Hornets could use another vet. Yes, they could, but he really is kind of that guy. Now, he may not really be the vocal leader that you kind of visualize when you're thinking about you know your grade A locker room vet, but. 
Look, Cliff also mentioned all the past summers that he's really been in Charlotte. He's been rehabbing. This summer, he was healthy. So what do they always say? Where What is the best time to or they get better in the NBA? It's in the summer. So if in the summer you're just working on getting healthy, you're not really getting better. So this summer he's had time to get into the gym and work on his game. And, you know, it's just one preseason game. Doesn't mean anything, but he looked really good last night. Now that is game one. He is known to be injury prone. And I know there was one moment last night where he caught an alley from the middle. It was like a half court pass or something along those lines. And he like landed under the basket and was kind of near and kind of stumbled a little bit. And I feel like I could see like his PTSD from his injury when that happened. He, I, I feel like I could visually see him kind of like, Oh, like kind of cringe. Like, Oh, that, that was close. Like, but um, no, I'm excited for Gordon, you know, if in a perfect world, if everything goes great, you know, for the Hornets this year, you know, and a lot of people take steps, if Brandon Miller looks good and all that, it, it's great for Gordon because he doesn't have to have this huge load and he can kind of just, you know, play his game. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people have talked that he could end up being, you know, a six man. Uh, and, and that would be awesome for him to be leading a six man group. Like, that that would be amazing to see, and, that, and that really actually, more depth than the Hornets have had since I can really remember. That actually leads me into kind of I was kind of doing another two for one, uh, partially because it's kind of a two pronged thing that I forgot to mention earlier. But another reason why I think he is going to be healthier this season is once Miles is back and ramped up, I, I I have a hard time again assuming it's only a ten game suspension, and you know the recent news doesn't further that. I have a hard time not seeing Miles getting back to performing the way he was when we last saw him and, and maybe even exceeding that. And if he's doing that, I, I think – I don't understand how you keep him out of the starting lineup. So I think Miles is going to be back in the starting lineup. And from there, it's do you keep Gordon out in the starting lineup and bounce PJ to the second rotation, or do you have Gordon go to the second rotation and keep PJ as the starter? I kind of think for two reasons. Uh, one, the reason we're talking now, and you know, if you shorten his minutes a little bit, there's less chance for injury, you know, less wear and tear, and, and less opportunity to get injured. Um, but also, PJ just signed an extension, and Gordon Hayward has one year left on his contract. He has no guarantee to be in Charlotte after this season. I think it makes more sense to keep PJ in the starting lineup just because he's a part of the long-term plans. Uh, and there's a lot of benefit from having a vet like Gordon anchoring that second unit. And again, obviously, like I just said, having less wear and tear and less opportunity for injury. Yeah. So I do think that's another reason he can be injured because I, or sorry, avoid. Whoa. Injury. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. Um, that's, or, that's, or maybe that's just your second version of knocking on wood. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I jinxed it back <laughs> in the right direction. No, I, um, I think that's another reason he'll be able to avoid, you know, massive injury misfortune this year is because I, I I could see him coming off the bench uh, in a six-man role. And kind of the second prong to my bold prediction about this was I actually think Gordon Hayward's going to be getting some buzz and chatter for six-man of the year. Now, I don't think he's going to win that award because, you know, obviously he's going to be in the starting lineup for at least 10, 15 right. games. I, I don't think right. he's going to be a sixth man long enough to, to get six-man of the year. Uh, plain and simple. Also, we know in the past Charlotte doesn't Ooh. always get the the eye of the national media enough to win awards like that. Like when I believe it was Devontae Graham didn't get most improved player and Luka Doncic was literally saying, this shouldn't be me, it should be Devontae Graham. LeBron James was uh, clamoring for him as well. 
Like, I don't think Charlotte gets the respect and, and awards like that that they're supposed to. But I do think there will be some chatter for Gordon Hayward. Should he be considered for sixth man of the year? That That's kind of my second uh, you know, piece of the bold prediction surrounding Gordon Hayward and, and him. Look, out. I've just, I've just got to call you out a little bit here because we're doing bold takes, right? This is bold takes. So if, if we were using, I don't know, a synonym for bold takes and we called it hot takes, you just gave the most lukewarm take I think I've heard. And we'll just say all week. I, I won't go do crazy all week. The most lukewarm take I've heard all week. Oh, he's going to be great. He's going to come off the bench. Six man. He's not going to win six man of the year, obviously, because he's on the Hornets and national media doesn't. Hey, I like where your head's at. I think it's possible, but I did want to call you out on that kind of a lukewarm take there. But, you know, I, I could see it happen. So we'll, we'll see. And maybe, hey, if this team really shocks the world and wins 50 games and he's coming off the bench, maybe that'll put him in the conversation. Well, I, I think that the hot take was the fact that he's going to get chatter for six man of the year. I think that's a, I think that's a hot take just because. Fair enough. Because he is a starter, right? You know, that, going into game one. That and most people, when they hear you make any sort of positive prediction about Gordon Hayward, will roll their eyes and say he's not going to play enough. I think that's more the bold take. The you know, there was more a disclaimer of I don't think he's going to win it because of these reasons. Obviously, that part right. wasn't a very bold take at all. But no, I think I think I think I would, I would categorize it as a bold take to say he's going to you know be a six man and get six man of the year chatter uh, and buzz and, and maybe even a little consideration. You know, before we close it out here, I've got this is a we'll call this an extra bold take uh, for you, and and this doesn't necessarily um, tie into this year, this season. But talking about Gordon Hayward, um, I know a lot of people, you know, frustrated with his contract for so long. And, you know, there's been a lot of trade chatter about him, too. I've been kind of on that train a little bit, too. Like, I would love to trade him and whether get a pick or shed salary or whatever it may be. I think there is a chance that after this year, Gordon Hayward actually re-signs with the Charlotte Hornets. That's going to be my final bold take as as we're uh, finishing it up here. Um you know, he fits in well. Now, granted, I know the Hornets are not going to sign him to a 30 mil a year contract, but and, and he may want that, so this may not happen, right? But if he's in the 15 mil, the 20-ish mil, and he has a really good season, you know, kind of like you're talking about, and he does get chatter about six-man or, you know, even if it's as a starter, like I could see him coming back. I mean, he's got his money. Um, I mean, the obvious reason for him to leave would be if he's going to ring chase, which would make sense. But he's also the type of guy I think he's kind of happy with where he is. He's not, like, chasing the big city, you know, fast-paced lifestyle. You know, he's got a family, and and I think he's – I don't know off the top of my head how many kids he has, but I think he has multiple kids. So, you know, and, and I think it could happen, but we'll, we'll see. I, I would be happy to have him back on a reasonable number. Now, I don't want to overpay him. Don't get me wrong. Again, um, but – I would love to have him back on a nice contract, like say a two-year, 30-mil, 40-mil contract, something like that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I want to touch on this for just a quick second as well. This is something I've been kind of thinking about in my head a little bit. You and I haven't talked about it on a podcast or off to the side. I haven't really had a conversation with anybody but myself about it. Um, but I, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, I, I think um, – I think there's a real chance that could happen for a few reasons. I agree with what you said there. If he has a relatively productive and healthy season, 
I think there would be value in, in him coming back to Charlotte. You know, when he plays, he's obviously very good and very impactful for this team uh, and, and plays well with, with a lot of his teammates that have been here for a while. Um, outside of that, I mean, the, the reasons I could see him leaving, um, even if he does have a pretty healthy and productive season, would be A, uh, terrain chase. That's something I didn't even think about in my early stages of brainstorming this. I think you're right. That could be a possibility. Or B, um, if he's just looking to get paid as much money as he can. But I don't see him looking to go chase the bag because he's been paid plenty of money in his career, and the Hornets just gave him the bag. Like he got well, his. I just don't know who's gonna give him the bag at the end of this year. What he'll be right at 34, 34 years old. He's got this crazy long injury history. I mean, who's gonna give him a bag? He would literally have to have an absolutely insane year to get another huge contract. And, and you also factor in the new CBA. Like, I don't think there's gonna be teams lining up to pay Gordon Hayward. Um, and even if he did have an awesome year, considering his age and his injury history. Uh, I just don't know who, who's going to be sign up to give him this crazy number. Um, but you never know. Think crazy things happen all the time. I mean, Rudy Gobert makes over forty million dollars a year. So, yeah, no, I agree. And, and more so, what I meant, I don't expect. Regardless, I don't expect anybody to give Gordon Hayward like a massive contract. More right. so, what I meant to clarify is, unless he just is literally sitting there, like I will let my agent talk to everyone interested, and I'm going to the absolute highest bidder even if it's just by a right. million dollars. But again, Which, I don't expect that to happen because the Hornets just gave him the bag. He's made plenty of money. He's at the point mm -hmm. in his career he should be prioritizing, you know, winning, whether that's a championship or just being on a contender. And then just, you know, his overall happiness and where he's at, what his family wants, right? right. I mean, an interesting thing about Charlotte is you see a lot of players, and we've talked about this in other episodes as well, but a lot of professional athletes – settled down in Charlotte. Um, you know, you have Kemba, Kemba Walker, that's his home. Obviously, you know, he's playing overseas right now, but his home in the U.S. is Charlotte. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, Jeremy Lamb still lives in Charlotte. People see him around a lot. He was, a, you know, a Charlotte Hornet for a brief set of time, and even when he's been in the league with other teams, his offseason home is Charlotte. Uh, someone who didn't play here, um, Allen Iverson, lives in Charlotte. Like, a lot of people are happy here, uh, you know, obviously also in other sports, it just came to mind. You've got Thomas Davis, um, who's opening up local businesses here. Uh, I believe Steve Smith lives here as well. But yeah, um, not to go on a rant of, of, you know, every resident of the city of Charlotte. But um, <laughs> what was the point I was trying to make here? Oh, yes. Gordon Hayward, family man. Um, <laughs> it's different. Not only do you want to you know, live here because you enjoy it, but it's a good place for a lot of professional athletes agree with this as well to, to raise a family and, you know, Gordon's got a wife. Gordon's got kids. Is he looking at this like, hey, you know what? I'm comfortable with my family here. I like it. I love it. My family, my wife, my kids love it. And if so, mm -hmm. that, I mean, at a later stage of his career, if he's happy with where the organization is, if the team's winning enough, you know, he may be interested in it. And if he has a good season, I don't see why the Hornets wouldn't kick the tires. Maybe he takes, you know, even like a little bit of a hometown discount, so to speak or at least certainly doesn't, you know, make us overpay for him like a lot of people right. envisioned we that the Hornets did initially. Well, it, it could definitely happen. But something that you mentioned, which was the opposite side of that uh, during that, was he may just be looking to, you know, go to the highest bidder, which would make some sense. Well, for obvious reasons, it makes sense, right? But like we mentioned, his injury history, his age, like – 
this next contract is really going to be his last contract. Well, maybe not his last contract, but his last opportunity to make like real NBA money because after his next contract, let's just assume it's minimum two years and it, it, he may not, it could be one year, but let's just assume it's two years. Once he's 36, then he's definitely not getting like a huge bag to, you know, from anyone because he's a really good player, but he's not a, you know, he's obviously not a, you get him on your team and you're a lock for the conference finals. He's obviously not at level. So that, that could play a part. And, and I'm sure it'll be a discussion for him and his family when the time comes, because I mean, he's obviously made a lot of money, but once you quit the NBA, how many things can you do uh, where you're making 20 plus mil a year? So um, of course that's a long time away. Anything's possible, but I'm excited to see him play this year, and I hope you're right. I hope he won six man of the year because that means great things for the Hornets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think to kind of sum it up, I think it comes down to what type of season he has and what Gordon's priorities on and off the court are. I think it's going to be something that both sides uh, are seriously going to consider at the end of this season. So, all right, well, that'll wrap it up for bold predictions there. Uh, Eric, appreciate the time today. Had a good time. Uh, if you're listening, if you listen to us this long, we appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please go give us a follow on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer to call it. Our at is at A underscore Hornets underscore pod. The name will be Buzzer Beaters, of course. You'll see our logo on there. If you could give us a follow, that would be greatly appreciated as we try to grow our following on that platform. But Eric, had a good time today. Appreciate you joining me, and I will talk to you next time. That sounds good. Talk to you then.